Thought maybe you boys might be interested in putting on a big-time wrestling bout. You know, make a nice hunk of dough for yourself. It's time to fight! Santa? Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. Morgan, you're out of here. You don't have the right temperament for the trade. You're a dead man. What am I supposed to do? There's always barber college. Frankie, I know you're a great wrestler, but my brother, who ain't as handsome as you, is as strong as Charles Atlas. Yeah, but I've wrestled women that are bigger than him. Sure, you got fat, sloppy women. Hello and welcome to Camel Clutch Cinema, the podcast where we talk about movies that star wrestlers or have wrestling in them. I'm Guy Hutchinson. And I'm Craig Cohen. On this episode, we are talking about Bending the Rules, starring WWE superstar Edge. And before we get started, as always, be forewarned, this discussion will be chock full of spoilers. Now, Craig, going into this recording, had you seen this film before? No, I, I watched it specifically for this, and it wasn't for lack of trying, really. It was just one of those movies where the WWE films used to be a lot more accessible. Um, the first couple popped up on Netflix not long after uh, coming out on, on home video. Mm-hmm. And it seems like this one and the reunion with John Cena, they just sort of, I don't know, they sort of slid under the radar. So now you're saying accessible, meaning specifically Netflix. Yeah, meaning that I don't have to go to the store and buy it or, you know, something like that. No, no, that's fine. I'm just trying to yeah. – uh, what I think was more accessible was a few years ago, you could go see these movies in the theater. And for yeah. me, there's – I'm much more likely to go see a movie in the theater than buy it on DVD without uh, without seeing it first. Oh, definitely, yeah. And it was one of those things where they would run it for a weekend and then it would come out that Tuesday on home video. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. So I have model. Yeah. I have not seen this uh, prior to this review. Um, wanted to. I really like Edge and I love the idea of them doing a comedy. Yeah. Uh, the trailers looked okay to me. I mean, they didn't, uh, didn't blow me away, didn't wow me, but uh, it looked like there was a, a good cast uh, supporting Edge. And I I thought that uh, that this looked like it might be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, on the surface, yes, definitely. But I, I never got around to seeing it. I, I have seen it for sale at uh, at Walmart, and there was no bonus features on the DVD listed that made me say, "Gee, that I should buy it for." You know, that looks like something worthwhile. If they gave me Edge doing commentary over the whole movie, I might want to check that out or some something, you know, more interesting than years ago. DVDs, if they said, oh, we have a behind the scenes look, I'd say, well, that's exciting. I, I'd like to check that out. But now with YouTube, it feels like you can look up behind the scenes footage of almost any movie that's out there. Yeah. With, with these WWE releases that, you know, that have a superstar, you know, in the starring role, by default, they should be doing a commentary track. I think so. I really think it'd be really cool to hear more about what Edge thought about being in this film. So, fortunately, I, I didn't see that on the DVD. Didn't didn't buy it. Didn't rent it. And watched it in preparation for this review. Now, yeah, you know, you know what else would be really neat though uh, is if they took like just a really not like a great match or anything, but an obscure match. And just put that on as a bonus feature, oh, too. Oh, I like that. Yeah, why you not? Know, like, yeah. You know, Edge from a, a random SmackDown from 2002. I'll tell you what would really sell it for me, though. We talked about on on some of these uh, reviews about how sometimes these guys were written off television 
for the movie. And then when the movie came out uh, in theaters, it was promoted on television. I'd love if they put some of that stuff on there. Uh, yeah. Granted, with a movie like this where it's coming out right, you know, uh, on you know home video at the same time, it's it's coming out in you know week week before in eight theaters or whatever. You can't really do that, but uh, I think that would be kind of a cool bonus. Oh yeah, I agree. So let me give you a plot summary on this one. Please. Detective Nick Blades, played by Adam Copeland, is a New Orleans cop on trial for corruption. Assistant District Attorney Theo Gold, Jamie Kennedy, is a man in charge of putting him behind bars. When these two unlikely partners from opposite sides of the law stumble onto a criminal plot, they'll need to rely on luck and patience to take down a dangerous killer without killing each other first. Alicia Witt, Jennifer Esposito, and Jessica Walter co-star in a story that proves when the going gets tough, the tough continue to move at a moderate pace, thus proving the slow and steady win the race. Ah, so that's what this movie was about. They got a little cute in the end of the, uh, the, end of the plot summary there. Yes. Tried to make like a little rhyme there. They're like, <laughs> the tough continue to move at a moderate pace, thus proving that slow and steady win the race. And we will take the rest of the day off. <laughs> who, uh, who, who made this movie? Who was the director and writer on this, Craig? A gentleman named Artie Mandelberg, who pretty much came from the world of TV. Um, he had done work on Moonlighting, and in terms of uh, feature film work, also directed Inside Out, which starred... Triple H. Oh. The writer, Dylan Schaefer, also was the writer for Inside Out. And it looks like this Dylan Schaefer uh, gentleman, uh, this is his, his only work uh, so far are, are these two flip films. All right, so maybe he's, uh, he's you know, Vince's, uh, Vince's guy right now. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, Vincent's uh, Vince's f favorite flavor of ice cream right now. That's right. <laughs> this uh, this film came out on March 9th, 2012. Uh, in addition to Edge, and we did mention his real name, Adam Copeland. Uh, pretty stellar cast in this one. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty loaded up. You know, you got uh, probably uh, you know the the most famous names in terms of. You know, current sure. stars would be Jamie Kennedy from Scream and Scream Two and Malibu Most Wanted, and um, what just is a, your what is your take on Jamie Kennedy? <laughs> I've 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 always liked him. Um, I th you know I thought he was a good go to you know funny Gen X comedian to, to you know to use in movies. Yeah, I I really like Jamie Kennedy. Uh, for a long time when he was in scream and scream Two, there's some really great moments, especially in that first scream, the second scream. Uh, I'm, I'm not a fan of how his, his character's used, but in the first one, I think he's really good. But I think by the time I saw this, by the time I finally checked out this movie, he's done a lot of junk yes. that has annoyed me. A lot of stuff that has made me unhappy with him as a human being. So it was one of those things that when I saw him in this movie, I said, uh, oh boy, he's in this one. Oh dear. Yeah, I actually couldn't remember the last time I had seen him in a, in a, in a feature film. Yeah, I can't think of the last time I would have seen theaters. Can you uh yeah, no. I mean, I have no clue. Um 
I do remember. I, I remember specifically. I saw Malibu's Most Wanted. Did you Did you get a chance to ever check that out? I think we saw that together. I think so. I think we saw it in in theaters. Um, yeah, he's I have like a Rad. He's like the rapper. He's a politician's son. Yeah, and I have a, a vague memory that uh, that Patrice O'Neill has a cameo in it, which I'm not 100 percent positive about, but I think he was in Malibu's Most Wanted for like one second. Sure. I, you know what? I actually think we saw that in the uh, the Dollar Theater that was next to that fish place. Oh, yeah. We used to call it the Fish Theater because it yeah. smelled like fish in the summertime. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure that's where we saw it. That sounds right. Yeah, um, that was in. It was a you know it was a fun movie. I enjoyed it. I I you know I thought he was funny during it, and then I saw uh, Kicking It Old School, <laughs> okay. and Kicking It Old School just was one of those films. And I I saw this in theaters. Uh, it just it it was such a bad movie that since then I've always had a little bit of a little bit of a an anger issue with Jamie Kennedy. Yeah, well, all it takes is one time to get burned. So who else is in this movie? Guy from Boogie Nights. Now, who was this? I didn't catch anybody from Boogie Nights. Yeah, he was the the guy in Boogie Nights that was sort of like Burt Reynolds' money guy. Oh, right, 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 yes. Yes, his name is... Uh, Philip Baker Hall. Here. Yes, and yeah. uh, and he was great in this. Yeah, I didn't 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 put that together that he was from this, but uh, he was, you know, he's a very famous actor. Doesn't show up until about halfway into this movie, but, uh, uh, you know, very famous actor, and we'll get into a little bit about what Edge thought about working with him. Mm-hmm. And then you've also got Jessica Walter, mm-hmm. um, who... A lot of people might remember from Play Misty for me. I remembered her, or I, I, the first time I remember seeing her was on the TV show Arrested Development. And she also played France and Claire on Dinosaurs, which I know you're a big fan of. I love that. So she did the voice. I don't think she was inside the big costume. <laughs> I, I doubt it. And uh, she first appeared on Flipper in uh, 1964. All right. Let's so run quite through. Quite a career there. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of. Amazing careers. Let's run through the career of Edge. Yes. Born in October of 1973, he wrestled throughout the 1990s as an indie wrestler, and and he wrestled under the name Sexton Hardcastle. And I remember hearing about this guy who was just so amazing, who went by the name Sexton Hardcastle. Yes. This is one of those funny things where you – you know, you watch a guy in the indies after he's become a star and you say, how did the company he was with not realize what they had? Yeah. Yeah. He's very, very talented. You know, what's great. Him and, and Christian, who was at the time wrestling under the name Christian Cage, were called Hard Impact. So they were tag teaming together uh, and they eventually changed their name to the Suicide Blondes. That's great. <laughs> and then in Japan, they were billed as the Canadian Rockers. Which, Excellent. And were they always billed as brothers back then, or was that I don't sort think of they were billed. No, I, I think back then they weren't billed as brothers at all because they had different last names. You know, it wasn't yeah. like they were. This is like the Hardcastle and Cage families were together. Yeah, so, it's yeah. interesting because in the WWE they were sort of debuted as brothers, but uh, by the time Edge retired, they were no longer brothers. Yeah, I guess they 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 realized everybody knew better, and there's no need to keep playing that uh, playing that game. I don't remember there ever being a moment though where it was revealed that they weren't brothers. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I mean, there's so many famous tag teams that you know have guys that claim to be brothers that aren't. So I mean, he, yes, this was did. another one that was just like it 
you know, it, it didn't well, shock me. But at the same time, it seemed weird that they dropped that gimmick. They've kind of dropped the gimmick, you know, of uh, of Undertaker and and Kane really being related and all that stuff. They, I think, they just over time they they you know people kind of forget about it and they're like, yeah, we don't need that for this story. We'll we'll pick it up again if we ever need it. Yes. Um, Edge debuted under the name Sexton Hardcastle. In a WWE match, this was not a televised match, but Mm -hmm. they used him under that name uh, on November 10th, 1997, which was the night after the Montreal Screwjob when Bret Hart left the company. Okay. So they they lost one great Canadian and got another. Mm -hmm. He made his, yeah. I was going to say, so this was after he had wrestled in WCW. Yeah, well, you're yeah. talking. Yeah, WCW. I believe he just had one like jobber match. <laughs> yeah, um, guess, do you do you know more about that? No, it's just I've watched that match on YouTube, and I actually looked it up and 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 watched parts of it again uh, when we were prepping this episode. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, I just no. noticed it was '96, and you said that he '97 uh, he had done something, and then he made his official de- debut, I guess, in late '97 for uh, for WWE. Yeah, a lot of times in the old days, and and people watching wrestling today don't don't get to see this, but uh, you'd have a lot of local talent that would show up, and so uh, Edge's his appearance on WCW was not that he was under a WCW contract; it was just that they were in the town where his territory was, and you know he got uh, you know a hundred bucks for the night to go get beat up. Yeah, and the match I remember watching was the mm-hmm. one versus Meng, and he was billed as okay. Damon Striker. Yeah, I I believe, and I, I may be wrong, but I, I think that maybe is only one. I mean, he wasn't. I don't think he did uh, multiple matches for WCW. Um, I remember he didn't. The name that he used, that uh, Damien or Damon Striker, he he put it in his book incorrectly because he he didn't have it written down, you know, and, and <laughs> dug it up. And he had the he had the name, you know, he had it swapped. His uh, his first TV match was on on Monday Night Raw. This was uh, in 1998. He wrestled against Jose Estrada Jr. and won the match by countout after he tried to do this somersault senton that he used to do, and and he injured Estrada's neck and and really uh, put him out of action for a long time. And it was a scary move. It was a bad yeah. move that shouldn't have been done. Um, he was uh, he was put in a feud with Gangrel. There the uh, the brood came about from this. Uh, and then eventually uh, there was the the part where the brood became part of the ministry. Yeah, I loved all this. The brood were so cool with be, be, their in, their entrance where they would rise up out of the floor, their music, the uh, you know the chalices they would carry to the ring with that viscous fluid in it. I loved everything about it. They would give the blood baths. Yeah, it was a it was a fun fun gimmick. Um, 1999, uh, the brood broke away from the ministry over, <laughs> over a, a plot that involved kidnapping Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> and then eventually, uh, uh, they, so they, they betrayed the undertaker and then eventually they, they broke up and Edge w- got to go out on his own for a little bit, uh, got his first singles championship, became IC champ on June 1999, beating Jeff Jarrett at a, at a house show in Toronto and then lost the title the very next night at the fully loaded pay-per-view. Wow. So it's sort of the reverse of what they did with, um, with Miz and Barrett, um, mm-hmm. This year where um, one was, you know, that he won it on a pay-per-view and then lost it the next night on a TV. That's that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, this was this, this was very similar. Uh, Gangrel uh, betrayed 
both Edge and Christian. So they, they he he created his new brood with the Hardy Boys, mm-hmm. and uh, and they went on to fight. This is where the the ladder match started with them, and then they they eventually started putting in the tables and the ladders and chairs. Yeah. This became a three way feud with the Hardy Boys, and uh, it was uh, that was where all that TLC came from. Yeah, them and the Dudley Boys. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It was that them, was I mean. The Dudley Boys and the Hardys, the three yeah. of them in a lot of three-way matches. Yeah, that was a series of just iconic matches that you know where they really sort of really took the you know the art of tag team wrestling to a, a different level. Yeah. Really, really exciting stuff. So jumping ahead in 2001, you and I were both in the arena when Edge won the King of the Ring tournament. Uh, WrestleMania X8, he had a, a match against Booker T. And the result of this, the winner of this match got a shampoo advertisement. This was the battle for shampoo. Um, he, uh, he, he won the, the tag team championship with Hulk Hogan, which apparently Hogan was a big hero of his growing up. So in 2002, he was able to do that, which was, which was really great. Uh, ran after the, the WWE heavyweight championship for a while, uh, got the money in the bank briefcase by winning the first ever money in the bank ladder match at WrestleMania 21. So, uh, so around this time, uh, Lita had the affair with Edge where she was dating Matt Hardy and and had an affair with Edge and this became a storyline on TV. Yeah, and and the booking of this is probably second only to Kevin Sullivan and Benoit in terms of, you know, Matt Hardy, you know, at the end of that that um that program, you know, left the company. Mhm. So they, they did the live sex celebration, which, uh, if you ever get a chance to YouTube that, it's a, it's a pretty wacky little segment, uh, which got Raw a 5.2 rating, which is the highest Raw rating in over a year when that happened. Just a monumental rating because people wanted to see whatever they thought would actually happen. Yeah. And it actually crazy. ends with, with Lita taking, um, an AA, I believe. Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, so the live sex celebration happened around that time. Uh, Edge pinned Rob Van Dam in a triple triple threat, which uh, made him the WWE champion. It was a triple threat match with Van Dam and Cena. And uh, then there was the the years later there was the feud with Kane, which I really liked. This was uh, uh, the last time Paul Bearer was used on TV when he was alive. Uh, he was. You know, he came back and Edge kidnapped him and he put pizza on his head and in his ears. Yeah, this was the the face is going to act like a heel um, gimmick where, you know, he was doing incredibly dangerous things with Paul Bear and you almost felt bad for Kane. Yeah, well, he really did. And uh, the next feud he had after this, and let me just say, the, the Kane feud ended with... Uh, Paul Bearer getting killed. I don't know if you remember Paul. Yes. Paul Bearer dies getting, at the end of this. Getting killed for the second time in WWE. Yeah. So um, so after that, uh, we do get a, a feud with uh, with Alberto Del Rio again where, where Edge is acting like the heel at WrestleMania 27. Edge is wrestling against um, uh, Alberto Del Rio in the opening match for the World Heavyweight title. And him and Christian, after he wins the match fair and square, they go and break the man's car. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, was that access to this year. 
Yeah, yeah, they they take that around, so you can check out that. Uh, I think it's a Bentley or a Rolls Royce. Yeah. You can check that out. So, um, so he he injured his neck around this time, and so that was his final match. And the next year, he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame of superstar in every sense of the word. Yeah, and I remember. I know you were there live for it, and I remember the televised version of the Hall of Fame, uh, the speech that Christian gave inducting him. And then Edge's speech um, were both really, really um, moving to watch. I can only imagine what they were like, what it was like live uh, in in the building. Yeah, really, really good stuff. And and just uh, couldn't happen to a more deserving guy. And kind of neat uh, for somebody to get in as young as as he did. Uh, unfortunately, having his career shut, you know, cut short. But then being able to be in his prime when he's you know at the microphone was kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, looking at his list of accomplishments that we've just gone over. Um, you know, we hit the high level stuff, but I mean, for what was, you know, considered, you know, a a pretty short WWE run in in the grand scheme of things, he really fit a lot into there and, you know, definitely earned his Hall of Fame status. World Heavyweight Champion seven times, WWE Champion four times, uh, you know, had the uh, Intercontinental Championship five times, the Tag Team Championship 12 times, just a big star, big star across the board. Um, Let's, uh, let's talk about the other films that he actually did because he did do some other work with with film and television yes i think one of my favorite ones and this was a a film that we saw in theaters Mm -hmm. is you know highlander endgame where i remember on wwf at the time television they were really promoting this appearance and then we see it in the theater and he's in a two-minute scene and he's one and done Yes, he's in it's it's but what's great about it is they're promoting it on TV where they show the scene he's in and they could just say, now you've seen all the edge that will be in this movie. So if you don't want to see the movie, you're set. Yeah, no need to spend your money. Yeah, Uh, he has appeared on television in uh, a show called Haven, uh, Sanctuary. Uh, He's been on Mad TV, Deal or No Deal, Mind of Mencia, and uh, Weakest Link. So, you know, he's he's had a lot of time in front of the camera not wrestling. So he was prepared to bend the rules for us. Yeah, I actually really liked when they had the superstars on Weakest Link um, because it seemed legitimate. You know, it was... You know, they were it's it, they were shooting. You know what I mean? If, you know, Big Show didn't know an answer, he didn't know an answer. So um, so let's let's go through the movie and we'll we'll uh, talk a little bit about some stuff as we go along. But the, the film starts out with a guy named Gil, a bad guy that edges is about to arrest. And uh, I recognize Gil from Clerks, too. Yes, he's the one that has the uh, the big Lord of the Rings rant that uh, that really uh, was one of the scene stealers in that movie. Yes, his name's Kevin Weissman, and uh, during this scene, a masked gunman shows up, and this is a great moment for Edge to really kick off the film. He's saying, isn't that hot and itchy? It's really hot out here. You're going to wear a ski mask, you know? And so Edge uh, picks up the uh, this newspaper that the gunman wants, and he books mm-hmm. Gil and takes Gil's money. And drops Gil off to Jennifer Esposito, who's an actress that I've seen in a, in a few things, and she's pretty well known just because she's incredibly attractive. Yeah. And she's also, she's got a medical illness which has caused her to be taken off the TV show she was on, and she's, uh, had somewhat of a, 
and I, I don't want to go too far with with you know over dramatizing it, but she's been saying that she's uh, somewhat blacklisted over it, which is kind of an interesting story for people to Google and check out if they're interested. Yeah, yeah, and this is the first sign uh, that we get that the the Edge character is I, you're not entirely sure how you're supposed to feel about him at this point. What I liked about this, the title Bending the Rules, I thought really fits that Edge's character, he's he is breaking the rules, but he's not really a corrupt cop, but he's a cop that's doing a lot of things wrong. Yeah. I have some quotes from Edge about his character. He said, quote, I have kind of likened it to the Big Lebowski in a way. He's the Big Lebowski, but he can kick ass. I guess that kind of sums it up. I wear a Hawaiian shirt, board shorts and flip-flops, and Mardi Gras beads for a month and a half down in New Orleans. A reoccurring theme throughout is that you'll always see the character eating a lot of donuts. We ate a lot of donuts in that movie. <laughs> he says, I like the character because it didn't take himself too too seriously. I don't really take myself too seriously, so it wasn't that big of a stretch for me. You know what? Thinking back, I don't remember a lot of donut eating here. I guess I didn't. I guess I wasn't really aware of it. Uh, I'm sure that if people listen to this episode and they go back and watch it yeah. or watch it for the first time, they're going to be able to do a sort of a, a donut count. Well, there is, uh, you know, there's a scene which we'll get to where he actually goes to the bakery and talks about the donuts, and the guy pushes a donut into his mouth. And then there's there's uh, a couple scenes later on which are kind of funny on the food rant where he goes to one restaurant and then he goes. Goes to another restaurant right afterwards, yes. and Jamie Kennedy says, "You just ate," and he's like, "Yeah, but you know, I uh, the, those ribs are terrible. I got to eat here." Yes, so, that was a very funny scene. So um, we go to court. We meet Theo Gold. This is Jamie Kennedy's character, and we meet his mom, who's billed it's it's Jessica Walter, but she's billed as a movie star, you know. And we're told, you know, that she was she's a famous movie star within the confines of this movie. Yeah, and Edge Edge notices her right away. He, you know, he picks her out and he and he sort of escorts her into the court. Now we talked a little bit about Jessica Walters' career. She's appeared in over 145 film and television shows. If you go and look at her IMDb page, I guarantee you'll be like, "Oh, I've seen her in this. I've seen her in that." And uh, she's had a very successful career over a really long period of time. Yeah. So Edge is flipping through this newspaper that the bad guys wanted, and he starts noticing things are circled in there. There's some kind of code. And so we don't find out yet what the code is. We move to, to Theo, who has a girlfriend, uh, which is Elena Lyons, who was in Club Dread, among other things. Yeah, I noticed her right away um, because I've seen Club Dread so many times. She's in the opening scene of, of Club Dread. She's one of the two girls that gets, uh, gets killed, and, and you do see her topless. Okay, very good. Maybe we should all check it out. So Theo uh, is is breaking up with her. She's done with him, and he's having financial issues. Uh, the jury's deadlocked. There's a mistrial, but he doesn't want to drop the case. Edge's boss is chewing him out. All we ever see Edge's boss do is yell at him. Uh, and forensics is looking into the newspaper code, even though Edge is not supposed to be working anymore. Yeah, he's on administrative leave, I think they call it. And... uh you know, that's a theme that's uh, referred to a couple of times in, in the movie is he's on administrative leave. And um, to talk about his boss, the, the the captain, I mean, he's your stereotypical loud talking, you know, yeah. boss. Yeah, loud you know. talking police captain. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, they parodied that in uh, 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 
Last Action Hero, yeah. you know, where his uh, his boss is just yelling very loud all the time. And this is a very much a, a play on that. And, you know, it is a comedy, so I think it's done for, for comic effect. Yeah, the movie gets kind of weird at this point, and this is where I kind of started to feel like the movie was going to just start going in its own directions. Theo's driving home, and he gets pulled over by the cops, and they're filming him, and he's completely rational, and they're saying, you're you're out of control, you're uncooperative, please get out of the car, sir. <laughs> and then they tase him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and apparently they're doing this all for the benefit of Edge's character. Um, and after they tase him, they get in their car and they leave. Yeah, and Edge shows up, and Edge, this is one of my favorite moments in the film, he takes out a lawn chair and sets it up to sit down in, even though the scene's almost over, so it's just like a little extra moment. It doesn't pay off in any way, and I really like that this guy has a lawn chair in the back of his truck, and it was just going to sit out there and hang out. Yeah, almost like, you know, even if it's going to be for for a minute, I'm not going to stand. <laughs> so Theo goes home. Now his car, the Hawk, we start hearing all about the Hawk, which is this red Studebaker Hawk, you know, this gorgeous old car, and it's missing. And his wife and kids are leaving, and they exit upstairs, which I don't quite understand. <laughs> They're like, we're leaving you, and they go up the stairs. Uh, but <laughs> he's got this big, beautiful house, and things are just not going well for him the cops are watching the footage of him being arrested they're all laughing and edge is like hey so what happened to his car and they're like oh we didn't take his car you know we just harassed him so we then find his mom and she calls him up she's like hey you know uh, uh how's how are things going and he sees the hawk drive by his window so he goes to chase on a bike he crashes the cop arrives and harasses him more yeah, this was, yeah, he's in the, the middle of the street laid out. Um, visibly, you know, there's something wrong with him. The cops comes on the loudspeaker. He's like, get out, get up out of the road or else I'm going to run you over, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So we find out that Gil is out of jail and he has never checked in. So he just disappeared. And yeah, we he found wasn't out, processed. Yeah. And they don't know why. And she's like, I brought him there directly. And then we find out that the code is license plate numbers and it includes Theo's license plate. But we don't know why. Uh, Edge has a conversation with a little girl that has very little to do with the story. <laughs> yeah. That, it was one of those things where I started to w- wonder if I was losing the plot or not. But <laughs> it's a really funny scene because he's asking her direct questions and she's giving him direct answers, you know, right. in, you know, in the sense that she's not going to tell him something unless he asks her the right way, which, right. which made for a really funny scene. And it kind of seemed like she hated the cops and her, her guardians hated the cops because Edge had, had busted, um, you know, some of their family. Now, this is a short film. It's a very, very short <laughs> film. And this is, uh, uh, important to to this scene is that I think this scene and another scene we'll get to are totally filler. I think they're yeah. there to pad out this film that runs well under an hour and a half by the time you get to credits. Yeah, I think it was an hour, uh, uh, hour and 17 minutes, and I remember watching it and at, a, at an hour and five, we're at you know, what feels like the end of the movie. And I'm like, Hmm, I wonder what they're going to do from here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So edge breaks into the house. This is Gil's father's house. There's old guys playing cards in their underwear. Uh, one of the guys, one, one guy who sees edge break in attacks edge and the plot kind of gets a little convoluted at this point. Yeah. Because the guys that are playing cards, uh, that are in their underwear, 
they help Edge with the guy that attacked Edge, it almost seemed like this guy was – was he somebody that was coming to rob their game? No, he was okay. um he was Happy's right-hand man. He actually we see him again later. And okay. so he's he's one of the main bad guys uh thugs in in the film. So he was there to to attack Edge. He was following was, Edge around. Oh, so we followed him. So that's why he comes in. Yeah, Edge. That really confused me, and I watched the you know, scene twice, and I'm like, I, I'm, I'm missing something here. Yeah, well, he also could have been there because it's Gil's house. Yeah. Um, he could have been staking out Gil's house. Uh, regardless, the plot, you know, like a lot of these kind of police, you know, thrillers, the stories get convoluted. But this film's played for laughs, so I think they're kind of taking that you're really not going to pay that much attention to the story, and you're going to be amused by the fact that the old men are in their underwear. Yes. <laughs> so Edge goes over to Theo's house. Because Theo's now Edge doesn't know this is happening, but Theo's mom is 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 talking to Theo because Theo's dad is is locked in the room with a gun and he carries a gun in his fanny pack. Yes. Now, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about this scene because Edge was much like you. That was, you know, the first character that you you associated with this film. This was a character, an actor that Edge was very excited about working with. He said about Philip Baker Hall, uh, working with Philip Baker Hall was big for me, especially being a big Seinfeld fan. Lieutenant Bookman was one of my favorite, probably my favorite character in Seinfeld, actually. So when I saw I was sharing scenes with him, I thought... This is awesome. He's a really funny guy. His delivery is amazing. He's such an underrated actor to some people, but there are some people who know all that he can do. Uh, in Seinfeld, he plays a detective that is tracking down library books. And yes. Seinfeld has a, there's a book that either Seinfeld or George have that's, that's way, way overdue. Uh, meanwhile, he also says about Jessica Walter, who's playing Philip Baker Hall's wife in the movie, I didn't know what to es- expect. Here's this proper actor or actress who shared the screen with Clint Eastwood. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. She's going to be sick of me right from the get-go. But she could not have treated me better. Everything, Everyone was understanding to the fact that I was in way over my head, having no idea what I was doing. And they were gracious and respectful. Wow. So that's uh, that's what he had to say about this sequence. Nice. So I love this couple. I love Philip Baker Hall and Jessica Walter. I think they really make a lot of the film uh, in this scene and a scene coming up later. So Theo shows up. There's uh, there's the whole thing where we find out Philip Baker Hall's character is crazy, and he wants uh, he loves the mattress Theo has, and he wants Theo to lie down on it with him to check out how soft it is. Yeah, and the whole time he's laying on the bed, I'm like, I, I was thinking, like, did they cut a deal with him where he he didn't have to walk around or sit because for for this whole scene he's sort of propped in bed and he doesn't move but he almost yeah. looks like a puppet yeah and i was like oh you know it's philip baker hall i mean he probably wasn't cheap uh or at least for wwe film standards and i was like i wonder if that was part of his deal but yeah he does move was. around later yeah but i think that that may have been part of it he got there and was like i want to be in a bed uh, Edge uh, starts driving Theo around, and they find out that Mom's paying Theo to, uh, or Edge to find Theo's car. But it doesn't really matter for the plot; it's mm-hmm. just something thrown out. They go to visit a dojo, which is an unimportant scene, except for the sign that says "Mercy is for the weak" by the door. <laughs> Uh, we see uh, a character named Ed Mackey. Ed Mackey is played by Danny Gill. There's also a thug, thug number three, played by Tanner Gill, spelled differently, so they're not related, and neither of them play the character of Gill. 
<laughs> so we see something here that's going to pay off later, and, and it's one of those things that I think they hope we don't remember when it gets to the end. We see a cop tase Mackie and toss him into a trunk, and then we don't hear about that until the end of the film. Yeah, you see this guy a couple times. He's like a, a parking enforcement guy, and he's mm-hmm. writing parking tickets. There's one scene where he he gives Gil a parking ticket. Like I guess Gil's parked illegally, but sitting in his car, and he accepts the ticket, and the cop moves on. Um, I guess this tied into the plot um, somehow. Well, but- you, this this of course spoiler. This guy you know ends up to be one of the main bad guys at the end. Yeah. So um, it's one of those things, though, that I think they kind of want him to just be there. And they want this scene. This scene happens so quick that I think they want you to forget about it. Yeah. Uh, they go to the bakery. This is where we meet Pruitt Taylor Vince playing the part of Happy. And this is where Edge eats a donut and tells us it's like somebody pouring hot maple syrup on your tongue. <laughs> we keep hearing, hearing about Willie Van Bieber. Yeah, he's um, um, a criminal who Theo had put on death row, and he's he's days away from uh, from meeting his maker. The movie has Bieber fever at this point, Craig. <laughs> they uh, they they never show us this guy. I actually, when I was watching it, I paused it and went to the computer and wanted to see who was going to play this character, uh, and and it doesn't show up in the in the film credits. Um, so it's it's but they mention them throughout. Uh, the thugs are killing the people that have the license plates, so they're not stealing the cars, which is what they thought first was going to be happening. Edge is driving and talking on his cell phone, and Theo gets upset and tells him he can't do this. So Edge puts the car in park and gets out in the middle of the highway. Yes. Um, Edge buys food. They go to a driving range. At this point, we're stretching. They're yeah. filling time. This is one of this is my second favorite part where they're filling time. The, my favorite is coming up in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Edge finds Gil, and uh, Edge gets handcuffed to a chair. But Theo arrives, chases Gil away. Edge gets shot in this scene. He gets a gets a bullet, and he no sells it like the Ultimate Warrior getting a pedigree at WrestleMania from Triple H. <laughs> I so remember that match. I, I remember that mania. <laughs> Where Triple H fought, fought Warrior, I was watching it at my cousin's house, and my uncle was a huge Warrior fan. And I remember that match starting, and I said, Triple H is going to do it, and then he pedigrees, and I'm like, that's it, it's over. <laughs> my uncle's like, I wouldn't be too sure, and sure enough, Ultimate Warrior, Warrior no sell. And that was it. Now, here we get uh, the the biggest um, uh, time killer in the movie, and I love this. Uh, there's birthday cake at Theo's parents' house. Yes. They watch the movie, I think it's called Tomorrow Again, that, that uh, Theo's mom starred in. And they sit there and watch it, and Edge is, like, way into it. And the mother is quoting all the lines because, obviously, she she's seen it a billion times and starred in it. Yeah. And this doesn't really advance the plot in any way. Yeah, but I love it. I just I thought that this stuff was some of my favorite stuff in the whole movie. So Gil kidnaps Rosalind, who was Theo's secretary, and Edge has to go meet Gil. And uh, just Jennifer Esposito is driving with Theo, and we're racing towards the climax here. Yes, this is that that part I was talking about. We're we're about an hour and five minutes in at this point, and everything goes down. So Rosalind shoots Gil, holds Edge at gunpoint, and then Rosalind reveals herself as Van Bieber's daughter. She shoots Esposito, and I'm like, oh, my God, they just killed Jennifer Esposito, one of the biggest names in the film. 
Yeah. And we get like we get the Russo swerve here where we where Rosalind turns out to not not be who she seems she is. That's right. Yes. And uh it kind of makes sense. We we haven't gotten to know her well throughout the movie. So mm-hmm. generally when a character that's smaller in the film shows up for a big part at the end, you start to wonder. Yeah. Uh we get the big shootout. This crazy shootout <laughs> breaks out and a hundred people with guns are shooting at each other. Yeah, Happy shows up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie Kennedy's in in a in in, a, in a Edge's car. Right. And he drives right into the firefight. So Edge shoots Rosalind. So she's dead. Boom. And we think, ah, movie's wrapping up. Yeah. Esposito's okay. She's wearing a bulletproof vest, but she's selling that bullet like she's Bret Hart. She's just she's limping. She's like, oh, I'm gonna take a bath for 78 years. You know, she's just in terrible pain. Yeah, and they actually did this like sort of weird cut in where you you saw the bullet in the bulletproof vest, yes. so there was no confusion as to as to what was going on. I almost pictured Vince McMahon being like, "What? How did she take that bullet?" <laughs> and they had to go do like a pickup shot where she pulls the bullet, you know, out of her bulletproof vest. Vince was probably because we know Vince's references tend to be from older things. He was probably like, "Make it like Doc Brown when he opens the the jacket to show the bulletproof vest." <laughs> So we find out this. There's some detective work here at the end to find out what happened to the hawk, the car. And we find out that the dad stole it. And there's a subplot where the mom thinks the dad's running around on her. And that's paid off to because he's parking it at fancy hotels to save the car. Yeah, I thought he was parking it at at cheap hotels because it was cheap parking. Ah, no, no, I think they were saying that he would, that he's not the type to pay for a fancy hotel, but he would pay for fancy parking, you know, Ah. to have valet parking and, you know, to have a, an attendant park that car. Right. Um, Okay. Because he didn't want anything to happen to it. Yes. Yeah. If he was having an affair, he, 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 he would go to a dive motel. Sure. Right. Yes, exactly. Um, so Edge, uh, Edge is like, can I drive the car? And uh, Jamie Kennedy's like, yo, you earned it. And at this point, I thought they're going to drive off the roof, and that's yeah. going to end the movie. But instead, he gets rear-ended, and it's the cop with the taser. Yes. So Edge uh, uh, catches him. The hawk uh, is is old and busted at this point, just falling apart. Yeah. And, and now Edge and Theo become buddies, and uh, the dad and the son have a talk. What did you think about this scene? I thought that Jamie Kennedy thought he was a woman when they approached him in the scene. He's lying on the couch with a pair of shorty shorts and his legs up. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, Jessica Walters looking good. And then I was uh. like, no, it's a brunette. And then I was like, no, it's Jamie Kennedy. Ah, eye bleach. Uh yeah, so they have this conversation where Jamie Kennedy says, I know how much the car meant to you. And the dad said, that car didn't mean anything to me. It's the time I spent with you in that car that meant a lot to me. And it gets very, like, sort of, you know, it's a hallmark moment. Yes, indeed. Um, I Then they wrap up the story, and I just didn't care. They're like, oh, there's technicality. He goes free. Yay. And it was like, who cares? Just get that. We're done now. We, we, you know, the story has been over, and they've given us three little endings after the ending. Yeah. So Edge was still wrestling while he was shooting this. Yeah, amazing. And um, he was asked about this in a in a, a, a website interview, mm-hmm. uh, and he was uh, – 
he basically, uh, the question was, I understand that you were still maintaining your wrestling schedule while you were filming Bending the Rules. That sounds grueling. How did you balance that? And Edge's response was, that was the difficult part, just finding the energy, really. We would have Monday Night Raw on Monday, so we would shoot Sunday night until 4 in the morning. I'd hop straight on a plane up to Boston. I'd land at 8 in the morning, have to be in the building by 1 to do Raw, get out of there at about midnight, go straight to the jet again, straight to New Orleans, land at 4, and be on the set at 6. So my day off, while everybody else on the set had a day off, I was doing that, and that made it very, very hectic. I can tell the scenes where I was a total zombie, and I can tell when they were Tuesday mornings. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I'd love – see, that's why the commentary track would be great. He could tell us when he was a total zombie. Yes. What did you think about Edge's performance in this? I thought Edge was the, the highlight of this movie for me. Um, I, I think Edge is a, a, a naturally gifted performer. I think he's got – Charisma, his line delivery uh, seemed seemed okay, and the character seemed to suit him completely. Yeah, I think I, I think not only that, I think it was a character. You know, it wasn't Edge, mm-hmm. but it was, and it was a character with some established traits. You know, not just his style, yeah. but you know, just the fact that this guy was a goof off. He screwed around a lot, but everybody liked him. All the other cops, at least, and he 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 was a guy that was not above doing the wrong thing to help out himself, <laughs> and yet he didn't seem to be terrible except for to the jamie kennedy character yeah and he actually i I think we skipped this when we talked about the scene but Mm -hmm. he actually uh he does a wrestling movie on jamie kennedy at one point when he he handcuffs him to the car he almost puts him up in like a fireman's carry Ooh, very good yes so he did get to to use a little bit of his wrestling talent in this yeah which i always like to see wrestlers use moves in movies i mean i think it really gives you what you want to see so this movie came out on March 9th, 2012. Edge retired by the time this film came out. And on that same night, there was a SmackDown that aired where Lillian Garcia kicked things off with a look back at the United States title win by Santino Morella on Raw. <laughs> yes, when Santino was still uh, a legitimate contender, at least. And I've always liked Santino, and it's always good to see him either way, but... uh Memories of him as a U.S. title, uh, U.S. champ are, are, are always good. So John Laurinaitis on TV at this point, and uh, he announces that Santino is going to take on Swagger for the U.S. title, and he retains inside of a steel cage. Amazing. I do not think I, I, I watched this episode, and I'm kicking myself for that. <laughs> Dolph Ziggler tried to interfere but caught a pair of Cobras from Santino. and Santino escaped the cage uh, to win uh, and just a a fun time where you had Teddy Long and John Laurinaitis still going back and forth with their silliness yes (laughs) what are some of the other matches that were on this card Uh, you had the the whole Drew McIntyre trying to get his job back routine oh yeah Um, he uh, gets booked against great Kali if he can beat Kali he'll get his job back David Otunga comes out instead and and he reveals that Drew has a new appoint, opponent who turns out to be Hornswoggle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark Henry defeated Ezekiel Jackson, who that boy is that a blast from the past. I yeah. almost forgot about Ezekiel and his bowling ball uh, shoulders. <laughs> it's bowling ball shoulders and the pack of hot dogs on the back of his neck. <laughs> and Teddy and John Laurinaitis actually wrestled. <laughs> Teddy Long beat John Laurinaitis, who was wearing black shoes and a black spandex under his tracksuit. And um, 
it looks like there was a big schmoz at the end, and Teddy Long rolled up Laurinaitis for the win. Wow, wow. Yeah, a very exciting. Big show. Randy Orton and Sheamus beat Cody Rhodes, The Miz, and Daniel Bryan uh, so in, in a crazy six-man match to end the night. So this was a, this was a fun little smackdown. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting to see Big Show, Randy Orton, and Sheamus uh, as a team because uh, they would end up a team for for this year's WrestleMania as well. So they, they, I didn't realize that there was that run where Big Show was a, a face and then went heel and then sort of turned face again before Mania. What a busy booking year for Big Show. <laughs> so uh, I wanna, I wanna clear up. I mentioned that Patrice O'Neill may have uh, been in Malibu's Most Wanted. He wasn't, but he was sitting on the back of a car in Scream. Four, which of course has a Jamie Kennedy connection because he was in Scream 1 and Scream 2 and he was sitting on the back of a car and he has like a line or two of dialogue and we got very excited because Patrice O'Neill in addition to being a very funny comic was a writer for WWE. Yeah he was one of those guys that really didn't think that Test ever really got the push he deserved. Yeah very sad. Sad that Test didn't get it and both of them are gone now which is incredibly sad. Yeah. So um, before we end this one, Craig Cohen, do you tap out to Bending the Rules? I got to say, I was really looking forward to watching Bending the Rules as it was one of those WWE films that I didn't have the opportunity to see uh, upon its release. Um, looking at the cast, you know, it's it's pretty much stacked from Edge all the way down to Philip Baker Hall. And I got to say that the movie had some some good moments. I had some good chuckles. But overall, it just felt like a movie that, it didn't have enough meat on the bones to really uh, tell a complete story. But at the same time, it kind of felt like it could have been the start of or a pilot episode for a Bending the Rules TV show, which I think is a direction that they should have gone. Um, there just was too much going on in this movie for me. Um, I I really lost the plot at points, and as good as Edge was, I really, really, I, I have to tap on this movie. Very interesting. Uh, let me say that I thought that this was a, a very, it was a kind of jumbled film. It, it, it does not flow perfectly, like you say. But one of the strengths I saw, thought about this was that it is short. You know, it's a it's a film that you get to see it and, and get by it pretty quickly. You know, I mean, it, it those credits roll a lot quicker than you than you expect on most films. And I like that. I thought that was kind of a neat bonus. I thought Edge was very good and I would love to have seen more of him doing this character. I mean, I felt that this film had too many other main actors in it and Edge didn't get enough time to do his thing. Uh, but. In the end, I think if I had to go up or down, thumbs up, thumbs down, do I tap, do I not tap, it's it's a, I'm almost going to tap, but I'm not going to. I'm going to let this one slide because I had a lot of fun watching it. And so no tap out to bending the rules. Wow, it's a split decision. So, Craig, I want to thank you for joining me again on this one. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to get together and talk about wrestling movies. And that is it for this time. We will see you next time here on Camel Clutch Cinema. So you want to wrestle, huh? You're too little. We got ushers bigger than you. Leave. I got to take a crap. Don't you see? Your skills plus my skills in the ring. Tag team. Doesn't like one maple syrup being poured over your tongue. This young man, we're told his name is Damon Stryker. Yeah. I can't believe he's still conscious. Damon ain't conscious. He don't look conscious to me. Watch this double footer right here. Whoa. Right on the belly welly. 
And the Taskmaster, with the help of the Giant like he needed it, making quick work of Damon Strike. Yeah, and he kind of defined how the money in the bank would really be used because he was the first guy to cash it in in a sort of an opportun, uh, you know, in a an opportun uh, opportunistic mm-hmm. manner. Easy you know, he you to the say. open it, the, uh, yeah. the ultimate opportunist. How it controls is John Triton. What are you doing up there? Staying away from you. No more rhymes now. I mean it. Anybody want to feel it? What's that smell? <laughs> Jimmy King! Oh my god, a four-post massacre! No one can survive this! This isn't even a pay-per-view!